I want you to turn to how many passages of Scripture? Two. Two passages of Scripture, all right? John chapter 1 and Matthew 13. So open your Bibles to John chapter 1, and that's where we'll begin, and then put a marker at Matthew chapter 13. And here's the title of the message. It's a one-word title, so I hope it helps us to remember what God is saying to us as believers and as a body here at Gateway Church for 2011. And the title won't help much until we talk about it, but the title is the word found, F-O-U-N-D, found. I want to talk to you about found, all right? And it's a pretty large passage in John 1 that we're going to read, but we'll break it up in different parts, but it's very, very important to catch what he's saying here. John chapter 1, look at verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, or look, stare intently, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he. Now he's talking to someone and we understand he's talking to his disciples and the passage tells us that later. This is he, he's telling his disciples, John's disciples, John the Baptist, this is he of whom I said, after me comes the man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now, it's not just his disciples, it's people that have come to be baptized as well, and maybe even the Pharisees, because they they were there, we know, as well sometimes. I did not know him, verse 31, but that he should be revealed to Israel, Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Now, I want you to notice that because there were no doubt, there were no doubts in John's mind. This is the one. This is the one I've told you about. This is him. This is he who who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. This is, I am testifying to you. I am telling you, this is the Son of God. This is the Son of God. Now, Very simple question for you. John said, this is the one. Do you believe that Jesus is the one? It's great four of you believe that, and I'm excited about that. Do you believe that Jesus is the one? Okay, all right. So if he's the one, then what should we do? If you were one of John's disciples, John the Baptist, and he was saying, There's one coming after me who's mightier than I, whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He's the Messiah. He's the chosen one. He's the one to be revealed to Israel. He's the savior of the one. He is the son of God. And then one day you're standing there and John says, that's him. 
That's him right there. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one. What would you do? Follow him. Here's point number one. I don't know if you saw my notes, but um, <laughs> number one, first follow. First follow. Title of our conference is first. First follow. All right, now, verse 35, let's keep reading. John 1, 35. Again, now we're going to talk about this again, why Jesus did it the second day. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked. So Jesus knew he's walking by where John was again, said, behold, the lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated, teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. Now let's remember these words, come and see also. They came and saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. Now the 10th hour in the language in which John writes is four o'clock in the afternoon. So it was about four o'clock in the afternoon and they followed him and then they stayed with him the rest of the day, all right? So I just want you to notice, John says, this is the one. And the next day Jesus walks by again. And John says, look, that's where the word behold, Look, this is the one. This is the Lamb of God. Okay, I think that John said it this way. Would you guys look and would you listen? I told you yesterday, this is the one. And so I think they stood there kind of like this. And then John said, this is the one. And they were like, oh, okay. And so they began following I also think that's the reason Jesus walked by the second day, because they didn't follow him the first day. He walks by, John says, that's him, that's the one, and they just stand there. So Jesus waits till four o'clock, thinking at some point they've got to figure it out. And so he thinks, well, they don't, so I'll just walk by again. So he walks by again, and John says, this is the Lamb of God. I said, that's the Lamb of God. In other words, go. I've been trying to get you to. So they start following Jesus. Now, let me read a little farther here. Verse 40. Let me show you this story, because this story is incongruent with another story, but they're both right. Verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak, remember there were two disciples, and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we, speaking of him and the other disciple, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah, you shall be called Cephas, which is Peter, by the way, which is translated a stone. Okay, I want you to notice this. Andrew is standing with John the Baptist. John says, that's him, go, 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 go. So 
Andrew and another disciple, we'll talk later about who that disciple was, begin to follow Jesus. They spend the whole day with him. And the next day, Andrew, or that late at night, but probably the next day, Andrew goes to Simon Peter's brother and says, we found him. Come and see. Okay. Andrew's with John the Baptist. He's with John the Baptist. John says, that's him. Andrew goes and spends the day with him. And then the next day or sometime, Andrew goes to Peter and says, we found him, and he takes him to where Jesus was staying, all right? Now, you don't need to flip over there because I told you to hold Matthew 13, but let me read you another passage and you can follow on the screen. Matthew 4, verse 18, we're very familiar with this passage probably. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter. Now, these words are important, called Peter. And Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Here's my question for you. Which story is true? They both are. They just happen at different times. The story that John relates, and John is chronologically before Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and we know that. And that's why we have things in John we don't have in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Yet in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, many things are repeated in all three or at least two. But in John, you have all sorts of things, turning the water into wine, Nicodemus, the woman at the well, the blind man. You have all these things, the raising of Lazarus from the dead, all these things in John that aren't recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke because chronologically it was written to show us a different time in Jesus' ministry. So here's what happens. John was is referring to something that happened before Matthew. Andrew comes, meets him, finds Simon, his brother, and says, we found him. Jesus says, no longer will you be called Simon, you'll be called Peter from now on. I'm changing your name. Okay, then we have Matthew saying one day, Jesus is walking by the shore, and Andrew and Peter are mending the nets, and he says, follow me, and it says, Peter, Simon called Peter. Well, who called him Peter? Jesus did. See, when the first time you met him. Change his name. Okay, here's my point. They met Jesus. They followed him. Andrew followed him for a day, but then he went back to work. And one day Jesus is walking by the sea and he says, okay, it's time for total commitment. I I want you to follow me and I'm going to change the direction of your lives from now on. Listen to me carefully. That is a word for many of us. It's time for total commitment. It's time to say, Lord, I'm willing to follow you anywhere. Whatever you say, I'll do. If you speak it to my heart, I'll do it. I'm going to follow you. This year, I got a prophetic word for a young man in our church. And so I actually set an appointment with him and met with him. And I said, God gave me a word for you. And, you know, great, you know, what's the word? And I said to him, When are you going to do what God's called you to do? That's the word. When are you going to do what God's called you to do? And I began to share with him, and the point was, I feel like that's a word for everyone. When are you going to do what God's called you? Some of you, he's called to lead a group. And you're like, well, I I need to grow a little bit more. Let me tell you the best way to grow, lead. (laughs) Just get out there and start doing it and watch what God does. Some of you, God's calling you to serve in some area. Some of you, God's calling you to step out in your giving. God's calling you to begin witnessing. God's calling you to become a light at work. When are you going to do what God's called you to do? 
We need to follow him. Bill Hybel said this last night, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Okay, so here's what God is saying to us. First, follow. First, follow. 2011, first, follow. All right, here's number two. First, find. Now, I know in a moment, I'm going to answer this, but you're probably thinking, well, well, how can you do two first? I'll show you, all right? First, find. Now, let's go back and read a little bit in John 1, verse 40. We read this moment ago, but for a different reason. But let's read it again. One of the two, John 1, verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him, notice he followed, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now, watch these words. He first found. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah. Notice how many times you're going to see the word found. He first found and said, we have found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ. And he brought him, he brought him, he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of Jonah, you shall be called Cephas or Peter, which is translated stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found, notice the word found, found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You might feel that about your hometown. (laughs) And Philip said to him, come and see. I remember earlier, Jesus said, come and see. Now Philip says, come and see. We'll come back to that in a moment. Now, just for interest's sake, Who was the other disciple? It says there were two disciples and one was Andrew and then the other disciple. Probably, we don't know for sure, we'll find out when we get to heaven, but it's a real good chance that it was John. Not John the Baptist, but John the writer, the apostle, the the disciple, the writer of the gospel of John. Because John doesn't name himself through his whole gospel. He always refers to himself as the other disciple. And I thought I'd read you just something kind of humorous because I think the Bible's funnier than we give it credit for. For instance, there's a scripture that says Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. Do you know who wrote that? Moses, yeah, okay. (laughs) That's kind of the way I feel about what I'm about to read you. Let me just read you how John calls himself, doesn't name himself, but watch what he does, all right? John chapter 20, verse one says, now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. (laughs) And said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter (laughs) and came to the tomb first. He's partially humble. Not going to name him, but just want you to know he's pretty fast. (laughs) 
And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. He was raised better. (laughs) Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first... Went in also, and he saw him believe. Okay, I just wanted to show you the Bible's funny when you, if you read it right. Okay. <laughs> Possibly it was John who was the other disciple. I, I just, that by the way has nothing to do with the message I just wanted to show you. <laughs> but notice the progression. Andrew found Peter. And Philip found Nathaniel. Here's what I think God is saying to us. We need to find someone else this year. If we're going to follow Jesus, listen, finding someone else is a natural progression of following Jesus. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It's very possible if we're not fishing, we're not following. Because he doesn't say, follow me and work real hard and you'll become a fisherman of people. He says, if you follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. So we need to first follow him, obviously, but then we need to first find. You remember we read that a moment ago, John 1, 41. He first found, he first found his brother Simon. We need to go find some future brothers and sisters of ours in the body of Christ. Maybe they're not brothers now, but they will be brothers if we'll just simply go find them. It's God's commission for us. And let me give you an easy way to do it that everyone here can do it. It's really easy. It's exactly what Philip did with Nathaniel. Here's what he did. And it's what Jesus did even with the two disciples that followed him. Listen, it's very simple. Come and see. Come and see. We have a a new building here at Southlake, at the Southlake campus. We have empty seats now. It's been a long time since we've had empty seats. We have room at optimal times. Every seat, matter of fact, look around right now and see if you see an empty seat. Just look around and see if you see at least one empty seat. From now on, every time when you see an empty seat, I want you to see an empty soul. There is an empty soul at your workplace There's an empty soul on your street. There's an empty soul in your family. There's an empty soul that you know that you have relationship with that needs to fill that empty seat. And when the seat gets filled, the soul will get filled. I promise you, just get them in the presence of Jesus. That, that, listen, when Simon comes, he says, you're the son of God. You are. When when Nathaniel comes, you're, you're the son of God. You really are. You know, Nathaniel comes and Jesus says, behold, an Israelite whom there is no God. Nathaniel says, do you know me? He said, man, I saw you way before Philip ever got to you when you were under the fig tree. Nathaniel said, you're the, you're the son of God. And of course, Jesus said to him, you believe because I saw you under a fig tree? And of course, he, well, he didn't see him in the natural, I don't believe. I believe he was, it, was a, it was a miracle that he saw him. But the point is, when you get in the presence of Jesus, miracles happen. We just need to get people here. You realize 
You bring a person here that doesn't know the Lord, and we have worship like we had tonight, they'll see Jesus. They'll sense His presence. I feel like we need to first find, first follow, first find. Now, let me say something about that. You say, well, do we follow first or do we find first? One year, God, many, many years ago, my priorities were so out of whack with my family and being a good husband and a good father, and I was in ministry, and the Lord said to me, I want you to write your priorities. And so I got out a piece of paper, and I pulled a piece of paper out, and I got a pen, and I wrote, number one, God, just like, and the Lord said, I didn't tell you to write that. And I said, yeah, but Lord, um, I know that you're to be number one. I said, see, I've taught this. (laughs) And it's God first, family second, business third. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard my CD on this, but I've taught this and I know God's number one. And the Lord said, I didn't tell you to write that. I said, well, I know you didn't, Lord, but just go ahead and, because I know this is what you're going to say. He said, I didn't tell you to write that. So I took the piece of paper, wadded it up, threw it away, and then I took a new piece of paper and I wrote number one. And he said, I didn't tell you to write that. (laughs) Took the paper, threw it away, wadded it up, took a blank, just sat there. And so he said, okay, write number one. (laughs) So I wrote number one. And then this is what the Lord said. Listen to me carefully. He said, now write Debbie. I said, Lord, that's not right have no other gods before me, and it, 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 I'm not supposed to, you know, Lord, you're supposed to be first. Now, listen carefully to what he said. Listen, he said, if she's first, I'm first. Listen to Scripture. The one that says he loves God and doesn't love his brother is a liar. You know what he's saying? You want to show me you love me? Love someone else. Let me say it another way. If I'm first, she's first. Because see, what you do, Robert, is you get it all backward, you get it all confused, and you say, well, I'm out serving God. You're actually out neglecting your family. I want you to get this straight. Listen to these verses, Matthew 22, verse 35 through 40. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, when Jesus says the law and the prophets, that's the scripture at that time. We would call it the Old Testament. First five books of the law, the rest are the prophets. But when Jesus says this, there is no New Testament written. He's referring to the scripture. He's referring to the Bible. Here's what he says. You want me to sum up the whole Bible for you? Love God, love people. The whole Bible. And yes, I'm saying we should love God first. Yes, I'm saying we should follow him first. But if we follow him first, we're going to first find someone else that needs him. Here's number three, first found, first found. Now remember the title of the message is found. I want to show you something about this passage that I've never seen before. I knew that Andrew found Simon 
I knew Philip found Nathaniel. What I didn't know was who found Philip. John 1.43 says, the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Andrew finds Peter, Philip finds Nathaniel, but Jesus found Philip. Now, here's something that I want to say to you. Actually, Jesus found them all. Jesus is the one who walked by John the Baptist when John the disciple and Andrew were there. And he had to walk by twice because they didn't pick up on it the first day. Jesus is the one who walked by the seashore when Andrew and Peter, even after meeting Jesus, had gone back to their business. He knew exactly where their boats were. Hear me. You did not find God. God found you. First John says it this way. We love him because he first loved us. John 15 says it this way. You didn't choose me. I chose you. He's actually talking to his disciples. You, you think you did, but you didn't choose me. I chose you. Let me say it another way. You didn't find me. I found you. Can I tell you something? None of us found God. God found us. And we weren't even looking for God. And some of you might say, no, I remember looking for God. Well, let me just tell you the reason you were looking for him is because he was looking for you. The Holy Spirit put it in your heart to look for God. I can prove it doctrinally that man did not look for God. Romans 3 says, there is none who looks for God. There is none who looks or seeks for God. There is none. And then at the end of that verse, he says, no, not one, because he knew we'd argue. <laughs> there is none. There is none. You know what the Greek word for none there means, by the way? Yeah, none. There's none who looks for God. You know, I, sometimes I wonder if it, it's sinking in on us. I mean, I want to say it again. There's none who looks for God. Not one human went looking for God. God went looking for us. I'll prove it to you another theological way. When Adam and Eve sinned, did they go looking for God or did God go looking for them? Matter of fact, and that's what Pastor Jimmy's message was Sunday night, shame causes us to hide from God. And God went looking for them. And God said, where are you? And he wasn't asking that because he didn't know. He was asking that because they didn't know. They didn't know. John 15, you don't need to turn to that. We're not going to read it, but I'm just going to quote it to you. Three parables, the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. All of them were found. The word found is used for all three of them. But let me explain something to you. The shepherd found the sheep and was looking for the sheep. The sheep wasn't looking for the shepherd. The woman found the coin. The coin wasn't looking for the woman. The woman was looking for the coin. And the father found the son. Even though the son came home, the father was looking for him and saw him a long way off and ran to meet him. It's all through Scripture. Now, Matthew 13. I told you to turn to Matthew 13. I want you to read this because we so miss this. We so miss it. The reason I'm saying this to you is when you catch it that he found you, 
you'll find someone else. That's what causes us to tell others, hey, I found him. And they all said it. We found him. But they didn't understand he found them, actually, until later. Matthew 13, 44. Matthew 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Now, let me tell you something about this. The traditional understanding of this parable, and by the way, there's, there are only two one-verse parables in the Bible. This is one of them. This is a one-verse parable. There are only two. But the traditional understanding of this parable is totally wrong, completely wrong. And I'll prove that to you. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a man who finds a treasure in a field, and he buys the field, and he hides the treasure, and he sells all that he, he hides the treasure, and he sells all that he has to buy the field. Okay. The traditional understanding is that the kingdom is the treasure, and that we find it, and we sell everything to get the kingdom. Okay, here's the reason that's wrong. Number one, you can't find the kingdom on your own. You can't find it. Number two, you can't hide it. It's much bigger than you are. Now, you can hide the light in you, but you can't hide the kingdom. And number three, you can't buy it. You can't afford it. And it's free, by the way. So here's what that parable is actually saying. Listen to me very carefully. The field is the world. The man is Jesus. And the treasure is you. Jesus is trying to tell them, guys, I left heaven and became a man to find you. And he buys the whole field. You were bought with a price. You are not your own. That's 1 Corinthians 6, 18, 19. You were bought with a price. You're not your own. And he hides you. Colossians 3 says, my life is hidden in Christ. John 10, where he says, my sheep hear my voice. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Verse 28, 29, 30 go on to say, and, and they're in my hand. And no one, anyone want to guess what the Greek word here for no one means? No one can snatch them out of my hand. And my father who is greater than I am, they're in his hand also. And no one can snatch them out of his hand. And listen to this, and I give to them eternal life. Anyone want to tell me what eternal means? Forever. And no one will take it away from them. That's pretty good news. Because if you could, listen, if you could have lost it, you would have already lost it. Some of you lost it the second day you were saved, if you could lose it. Please, please hear me. Make up your mind. You're either saved by grace or works. And if it's grace, this Romans 11, if it's grace, it's not works. Otherwise, grace isn't grace. That's what it says. 
Grace is a gift, works is earned. Here's what he says. If it's a gift, then it's not earned. Otherwise, a gift is not a gift. And if it's earned, then it's not a gift. Otherwise, earned is not earned. <laughs> you just don't know. You really, some of you really don't know how it would change your life if you ever really understand grace. That you didn't find him, but he found you. And you're the treasure. You know how to determine the value of anything? The value of anything is what someone's willing to pay for it. You can tell me all day how much your house is worth. Put it on the market, we'll find out how much it's worth. <laughs> tell me all day it's worth this much. It's worth what someone is willing to pay for it. You can go down to Walmart and you can buy, buy baseballs, you know, for five and six dollars. But the baseball that Josh Hamilton hit a home run in the World Series is worth more than $5. Do you agree with that? It's worth what someone's willing to pay for it. Can I tell you, by the way, what you're worth? You're worth Jesus. Because that's what God was willing to pay for you. And that's what John 17 says. John 17, Jesus said, I know that you love them as much as you love me. I don't know if you ever caught that, but God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Because he's willing to pay Jesus for you. Listen, the field is the world. And by the way, he bought the whole field. See, we're the treasure, but you know who owned the field before us? Satan, before Jesus did, Satan did. And you know what we are to Satan? Junk. Junk. But to Jesus, we're treasure. So he went and sold all that he had. Philippians 2 said it this way, he laid down everything. He gave it all up to buy us. And he came and bought us. And, but listen, he bought the whole field. This is why I want you to know that. He bought every person in the whole world. The question is whether they'll let Jesus find them or not. Our part is to say, come and see. That's our part. That's what I want us to do this year. Now, I want to tell you about a guy that I said, come and see to. Bill Hybels talked last night about a Chevy dealer. And he said, you know, he invited the Chevy dealer, basically said, come and see. But he didn't buy a Chevy from him. Well, I actually bought a Chevy from a guy a while back. So, and I met this guy. He was a car dealer, a used car salesman. And I went and bought a Chevy from him. And it was a Chevy, by the way. And I bought it and I started talking to him. And I just felt that little whisper that said, this is someone I want you to bring. I want you to bring him. Remember it says, and he brought him to Jesus. The Lord said, I want you to bring him to me. I want you to bring him to me. So I, I started talking to him. We started, you know, striking a friendship. And I said, hey, would you like to go to lunch sometime? He said, sure. Now, I don't know if in his mind he's thinking, you know, I become friends with this guy and he'll bring his friends. You know, I don't know. doesn't matter. But if he had an ulterior motive, because I, I actually had an ulterior motive. <laughs> it wasn't to benefit me, it was to benefit him. But anyway, we, so we go to lunch and we're talking all. And then he says to me, what do you do? And I said to him, well, I'm a pastor. And I remember he sat back in his chair. He said, really? And I said, yeah. I said, does that surprise you? Yeah, he says, it surprises me. <laughs> I said, why does it surprise you? I'll never forget what he said. Listen to what he said. He said, because you seem so normal. <laughs> I thought that was a good compliment. I said, yeah, I'm a preacher. 
I said, let me tell you, you want to tell you how I became a preacher? He said, well, yeah. So I went through my testimony with him. I said, that's how I became a preacher. And so we started getting to know each other. Three or four more lunches, he said to me, you want to know why I don't go to church? Took him a while to tell me this. And I said, yeah, I do. He said, I'd never been to church when I was young. He said, my parents were both deaf, born deaf, both my parents. He said, I wasn't. I hear, I do sign language because I learned it to communicate to my parents, but both my parents were deaf and we never went to church. He said, nobody ever invited us to church. Nobody. He said, and then I met a boy at school who was the pastor's son. And he said, he invited me to come to church and I started going to church to him. He said, man, I, I said, I loved it. I loved it. And he said, I loved that I felt accepted and I felt loved. And he said, and then one night we were there and it was like during the choir practice or something. And he said, we, he, this boy had the idea to do something, some vandalism to the church. And he and I did some vandalism. And when they found out that it was the pastor's son, he said, the next Sunday, the pastor called me up in front of the whole church and said what I had done and that I had gotten his son involved in it. And he kicked me out of the church in front of everyone and told me to never come back. And he said to me, I've never gone back and I never will. And I said to him, well, I'm sorry about that. I said, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. I said, you're a car dealer, right? Car salesman. I said, yeah. I said, are you an honest car salesman? He said, yeah, I think I am. I said, you know any car salesmen that aren't honest? He said, yeah. I said, you know some bad car salesmen? He said, yeah. I said, can I ask you something? You think I'm an honest preacher? He said, yeah, I do. I said, do you think there are some bad preachers? He said, yeah, I do. I said, listen to me. You met a bad preacher. That was a bad pastor that did that to you. But there are some good pastors. And God's a good God. Amen. And that pastor was a bad representative of a good God. He said, you know, I never thought about it that way. So we just kept meeting. And he started saying, tell me about your church. So I said to him, come and see. (laughs) And he came and he saw and he accepted Jesus as his Savior. That's what I want us to do for 2011. I want us to first follow, first find. And the reason is because we were first found. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you, like we do every week, to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And I want you to see if the Lord would put a person on your heart, even tonight, that he wants you to bring to Jesus. It says, and he brought him to Jesus. Speaking of Andrew, 
and Simon, and he brought him. Come and see. Come and see. See if God puts that person on your heart. If he doesn't put that person on your heart now, then I want you to begin praying this prayer all year long. And I want you to be open to those whispers that Bill Hybels talked about last night. That when God whispers in your ear, invite him. Invite him to lunch. Invite him to church. I want you to be open. Because God wants to use us not to grow the church larger, but to build the kingdom. He wants to use us to reach people because he cares about people. Because he left heaven, gave up everything, and bought the field. Because every person is a treasure to him. We want to pray for you. If you're going through something, Pastor Marcus said a moment ago, I got news today. During worship, I just reached over and put my hand on him and prayed. For whatever that situation was, for God's will and glory to be shown in that situation. Well, we want to pray for you. If you're going through a difficulty right now, we want to pray for you. So, in just a moment, we're going to have one more worship song. During this worship song, we're going to have leaders here at the front. If you need prayer for any area of your life, when we stand up, just as soon as we stand up, we'll just start singing the worship song. And as soon as we stand up, you just step out and come and come to one of the leaders here at the front. If you're watching by Daystar, thank you so much for watching. What's God saying to you? Who can you find? Who does God want you to bring to Jesus this year? And even as we're praying for people, if you need prayer, I know that you can call Daystar. You can call the number on the screen and you can, you can call the prayer center and someone will pray for you. So we want to, we want to agree with you that God does the work in your life in 2011 that he wants to do, that we first follow him and that we first find others who need to follow him. And the reason we do this is because we were first found by him. So if you're here in the auditorium, in the sanctuary, when we stand, if you need prayer, you just come on. If you're on the ministry tree, you come and we'll close this service with the time of worship. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll draw every person. And I pray, Lord, you'll put this word in our hearts deeply. Lord, I want to tell you, thank you right now for the harvest that's going to come into the kingdom of God because we find others and bring them to Jesus this year. In Jesus' name, amen.